Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Hello and welcome back to all our listeners. My name is, as always, Federico Plantera. I'm the journalist, researcher in sociology, host of the Digital Government Podcast. And today we have a return, indeed. Uh, the executive director of eGovernance Academy, Hannes Astok, the one and only, is back on the podcast. Welcome back. So, Hannes, let's, uh, this is a bit of a sum up, let's say, episode of this, uh, of the year that has gone by, uh, not only and uh, definitely not exclusively in terms of uh, what EGA has been up to, but rather what governments worldwide have been up to. Uh, what do I mean by this is that probably it has been a less hectic year in terms of digital transformation as compared to the previous one, where, of course, the uh, the explosion and the eruption of the pandemic had disrupted the workings of everyone and everything. But has it actually been a little bit of a slower year compared to the previous one or not? In the sense, there have been any particularly new challenges that governments had to face in 2021? Yeah, hello for everyone. I think yeah, 2021 was very special in this sense that I was, I think it was like a year of cybersecurity. So, so during this year, I think even the, the least governments understood that cybersecurity is the top topic we need to deal. So even those small remote countries who maybe are not very well connected understood that we need to deal with cybersecurity security issues. And um, cybersecurity risks are daily risks. Um, everyone is involved, government, businesses, we as a private citizens, and everyone must consider it. And the second, I think, aspect, what we can underline is that definitely remote work, whatever it means, is it like remote schooling, remote medicine, remote government work, it really was throughout the year like a new normality, what we need to consider. And it's related definitely to access of the data, access to the services, but also, again, related very much to the cybersecurity to do the work efficiently and securely and remotely. Okay, so if we keep, if we take these two macro topics, let's say, uh, let's unpack them a little bit one by one. So starting from the, uh, I would start from the remote work one. So this type of organizational change had already been triggered last year indeed by the fact that of course uh, workers like went on distance of course that affected the operations of the public sector so has there been a consolidation of something that ha that already started in the past year or did we actually notice i don't know some even improvements new trends or like new ways of doing remote work i don't know has there been actually any um, even more tangible organizational change not necessarily done in emergency mode anymore? Yeah, I, I think I agree in this sense that, uh, that as, the, as the pandemic and all related lockdowns and whatever more has become kind of new normality. So this means that uh, maybe in 2020 we were considering remote work as a kind of temporary solution. But um, but in this year we understood really globally that uh, that remote remote work is is new normality. So it um, 
affects both how we work, when we work, and where we work. So how we work, it means that um, there is definitely much more teleconferences. You cannot see your colleagues face to face, but in many cases also like decreasing efficiency of your work and especially like flow of information. If you're all together in your office, the flow of information is kind of invisible. If you're remotely, you need to think all the time how to deliver every necessary piece of information to every team member. Um, also, um, it affects where we work, meaning that we need less offices probably because maybe half of the staff is working from home. But again, we understood that working from home might be privileged for someone. If I'm having sufficiently big apartment or private house where I have my separate room, so it's probably pretty fun to work from home. And if I don't need to drive 40 minutes or, or an hour from home to office and pay for parking and all the rest. At the same time, if I'm living in pretty squeezed conditions together, together with my three children and maybe elder members of family, it might be very complicated for me to work from home. So, so again, we need to consider those, those issues also in the long run without pandemic. So there is a part of the team members who want to work from home and there is a part of team members who don't want to work from home. And probably in the middle, there is kind of flexibility who can work sometimes from home and, and some days they want to, to, to be in office. So, so this means that we need to redesign our offices uh, to be more flexible. So most probably we don't need for every staff member fixed chair and table, rather flexible workplaces inside the offices also. At the same time, we need also good working conditions to their homes. So we have proper table, proper chair, proper monitor, proper he headphones. So, so it all affects also general modality of a business or, or government or whatever we are doing. And also it, it means that the, the digital tools, both like hardware, meaning uh, laptop computers, maybe monitors, uh, whatever additional keyboards, mouses, must be proper and uh, and software again teams zoom whatever we are using we need to make sure that it's functional and it's uh, it's also secure and uh, last but not least also the habits what i have seen both in my team but in many others if you're starting with the online meeting it's like maximum one minute we wait until it starts at least in Estonia, maybe in other countries. Yeah, I was about to say, this is a very Estonian consideration. Yeah, I well, think. Okay. As anyway, an Italian, but, I can say but, that. But we, we'd like to save the time because there's many people who are waiting online. Yeah, of course. Still, if we are starting the meeting in, in the office, it's usually starting like three, four, five minutes later because everyone is grabbing coffee and, and being late and chit-chat and whatever more. And, and even worse, if it's hybrid meeting, everyone is online in time and must wait until everyone is grabbing coffee and a bit late and oh, I take my computer, I take my papers and whatever more. So it's also, again, another question, how our working culture is changing related to remote work, hybrid work and, and, um, and traditional work. So in this sense, I think it has been a learning having consequences not only to the digital tools, but very much to the physical environments and physical behavior of the citizens. No, no, absolutely. And actually, you said the world that was just like 
forming in my head, which was exactly flexibility, which means not not just, let's say, to contemplate the possibility that working from home can happen, but also that someone might not want to work from home, but do it from the office. And indeed, just giving like both possibilities and adapting the working culture and the working modes exactly in a way that could favor the realization of both, depending on uh, what are one person's preferences or one one person's needs actually uh because you you mentioned of course like the having the proper hardware etc i would add on an aesthetical note also proper backgrounds maybe not like the digital ones just a nice like bookshelf a bookshelf or something yeah yeah but it sometimes is getting ridiculous i was just a few days ago in teleconference where it was like five participants and all of them were, were using one of uh, virtual backgrounds what is probably kind of standard one for Teams or, or Zoom. So it looks like everyone at the same place at the same room, but already it looks a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I never, I've, never, I've never seen that, not even like in uh, other videos, but I can totally imagine how it, could, uh, how it could look like. Maybe it was like a very dull background. I don't know. In any case, the, um, the, well, so the, to- the topic about the organizational challenges is something that we have seen uh, in like within e-governance academy, but at the same time, it's something that of course, like all employers from their own indeed management perspective, they have had to deal with, and probably they will uh, keep having to deal with. And then let's move now to the second one, which was the the security aspect. So the shift in focus, or the increase in focus rather, on the topic of cybersecurity this year was was it triggered by the emergence of some new threats or not? I will give a sort of, um, how to say, an outsider uh, perspective in the sense, uh, if I'm a member of the general public, I can remember that in the past maybe five years, there has been a lot of news uh, addressing uh, cyber uh, cybersecurity threats, uh, for example, in terms of attacks to elections, in terms of uh, hacks, uh, so if I think of those past five years comparatively to this past one year, maybe I, I might have not seen a lot of that talk happening on mainstream media. But then the question is, is the threat landscape changing in that sense? Why there has been an increase in attention to cybersecurity? In your opinion, huh? Yeah, it's, um, it's a very broad issue of cybersecurity. A few years ago, uh, someone from F-Secure, famous Finnish uh, cybersecurity company, like uh, classified the typical, typical uh, bad guys <laughs> into three categories. So first of all, there are criminals who want usually to steal your money or, or other resources you have. Secondly, there are terrorists who want just to destroy something in, in cyber, uh, also in cyber world. And and the third group of bad guys are who? You can guess. Oh, um, I don't know. Inside governments. Are governments themselves. Right? Governments themselves. Yeah. Okay. Why then? <laughs> so so governments are always like interested either about your data. So it's probably not your own government, ah, but okay, uh, yes. but pretty usually some other governments. So other governments are interested about other governments' data. Maybe uh, governments are often involved also in espionage, technical espionage, and and also more and more various kind of um, also like partly we can say terrorist operations 
to to shut down uh, whatever gasoline pipeline as we saw in in US either it was maybe like a ran- ransom issue so related to criminals but sometimes also to to just to create create a mess in the country like a uh, information war um, uh, to destabilize one or another country they are they are interested about so <clears throat> So I think uh, this landscape remains very much similar, but also more and more we, we see the convergence of uh, one or another group, like governments are hiring terrorists to be s- themselves invisible, but uh, ask them to attack someone, to destroy someone uh, or something. Uh, criminals may ask ter- ask terrorists to do something and so on. Indeed, something that I was uh, just going to add is the fact that maybe the government's role indeed could become like has become more coveted and covered in this sense. Sure. Uh, especially, for example, in the last year, if we could point out to one of these type of uh, more hybrid uh, threats for the way that they're managed, maybe like a lot of like misinformation campaigns about restrictions and lockdowns and uh, vaccinations uh, of the, the everything, everything alternative media let's say everything right? what you what you like to see to to create mess in the country you are interested about and maybe manipulate also election results but also or destroy confidence towards the government and and so on could we say maybe exactly since you mentioned confidence right now towards the government could we maybe say that one of the big targets of uh cybersecurity threats in the past year has been exactly trust it, it is more visible probably now and more 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 what we can read from the media but at the same time uh, now now going down to a lower level there was like um, endless number of ransomware cases even what we what we have read and and learned even in pretty ordinary countries even the school information system what could be look, locked down and ask for ransomware just to because probably the schools maybe their information systems are not that secure in some countries so terrorists or criminals manage to to lock down the system ask for ransomware maybe it's not big money asking just for 5000 euros but as usually maybe schools haven't backed up their data so they they, they cannot start from uh, from the beginning having data and so on and so on and also more and more not maybe even that much uh, digital attacks but also like human attacks meaning like calls for phishing for pin codes uh, asking about your bank access and so on and so on so asking about your credit card data so it's becoming so normal so so it's even not that much directly related this kind of phishing even not to the digital tools but just access to a digital banking by example so so it's all creating kind of mess and sometimes also distrust towards the digital tools but uh, again it's like uh, it was like more than 100 years ago when first cars were appearing so no one knows what to do with them they looks dangerous because children were playing at the streets and when the car was arriving no one knows what to do now we have proper traffic rules now we know how to behave and everyone can drive the car definitely until he's not drunk and so on so we have rules we know how to handle it so maybe with digital we are in somehow at the same situation but there are still a lot of people 
who considering only opportunities, not but not risk and challenges. So, um, but I think this year was really the one when almost everyone understood that digital is 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 something wherefrom we can benefit, but also we need to be careful. And then since we mentioned risk and challenges, I will focus a little more on the challenges topic because related to the first element that we were addressing, which was the organizational changes uh, changes in the in the work and the modality of work, like if you think back to this past year, you no, know, let's see how that could have let's give the audience like some practical examples. You now how these organizational challenges, let's say, might have reflected in the work of eGovernance Academy in the past year? For example, do you recall anything? Because I've heard about midnight seminars or like uh, with the other side of the world, actually with the side of the world where, that you were visiting also, no? Yeah, exactly. It's um, it's uh, it's also brings us to a situation that if you want to be a global organization, you need to adjust also uh, towards various time zones, cultures, uh, regulations, and so on. And, and definitely working remotely with, uh, let's say, South Pacific countries, there is an advantage that you don't need to fly almost like 24 hours to get there and then back the same trip. But at the same time, if you want to have with those governments uh, proper online sessions, you need to be ready to do it uh, 2 a.m. at home or 4 a.m. at home. What is another challenge uh, for for our experts to work in in such a night time? So, so it's probably also bringing us to the situation as e-governance academy that that um, uh, working with various governments in different time zones, we either need to adjust to it, either take take our works that are not related to those countries until the, the traveling is not restoring. Also, I think uh, maybe a year ago, everyone was considering remote work, work as a kind of silver bullet that solves everything. But um, what, was, what was our hypothesis already uh, a year ago that, that um, we can work some, with someone remotely if we have seen, if we have been in, in human contact, studied relations, seeing each other and probably after it we can work a year or another already in remote mode until we need again meet somehow physically just to to feel better each other and feelings and understandings to refresh the memory also in a way whatever and, and it's actually physical meeting it's about to create the trust as you as we all know that uh, historically of a handshake uh, when people are shaking hands was coming that you are providing your right hand what is usually um, uh, carrying sword, so meaning you're providing your hand without sword, saying that I'm open to um, talk to you and not, not about to kill you. So if it's missing, it might be complicated to develop trust and mutual understanding about the, the works. And this is, this is probably the, the biggest hurdle uh, in any remote work project, whatever it is. Hannes, could exactly related as a consequence, let's say, like a consequential thought to this last thing that you just mentioned, no? the, this um, partly hybrid nature, like complementary nature of like still some kind of physical interaction and then uh, that could favor, let's say, fruitful remote work. Is that 
correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like something that maybe often happens when there is like a disruptive uh, moment or in any case, the emergence of some new technology that is um, very much taken in as, oh, this will change everything from uh, A to Z, let's say, like everything will be completely different. But then uh, as the technology, the adoption, let's say, of either a new working mode or a new uh, technological innovation then settles in, then there is a little bit of a moment of step back that says, ah, no, okay, well, maybe we still need like at least to a small extent something of the old way of doing, of the traditional way of doing something, and then the new technology or the new working mode can improve that. I, I truly believe that if it's a, like a longer cooperation project, if it's not just I'm, I'm selling you a cup of tea, even virtually, or selling you whatever, I don't know. Whatever I wristwatch let's say. Just and, man, it's fine. I don't need to know you. I just need this, this, uh, this good, what you're selling to me, and or flight ticket or whether and, and when it's fair enough. But um, if you are building like uh, relations and providing as, as our organization, as, as we're providing consultancy, it is, it is not something like reading headlines. To provide consultancy, you need to dig into the organization and understand what is the actual issue, what, what is the problem, problem you are solving to advise properly. And to do it remotely, only remotely, it might be challenging. Not, not in all cases, it may replace a lot of travel, replace a lot of um, physical meetings, but, but also as, as um, our children saw it at school, it's actually better to meet the teacher physically rather than, uh, than do it remotely, or at least meet the teacher physically at least, I don't know, once per week, once per month, and then you can also continue remotely, at least partly. But it's also remote work is, is, is demanding much more discipline, uh, much more attention, because when you're in a physical room with a physical lecturer or teacher, he or she usually, if he's a good one, <laughs> grabbing your attention. If it's a remote one, you know, it's easy to switch off your screen Drink your Coca-Cola, smoke your cigarette, and and read another book. <laughs> Fair enough. Then, uh, Hannes, let's like as we move towards the end of uh, today's episode yeah. and also the end of the year. Then, yeah. of course, for those that we can talk about, let's let's just do a very quick overview. We mentioned a couple of macro topics, but then. Uh, uh, E-Governance Academy has worked, of course, like on uh, many new like existing and then also new projects this year. What governments that we have worked with have been facing in terms of uh, uh, digital transformation projects? What, what were the main topics and uh, where also? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is... A very quick overview. Yeah, yeah. there has been a, s a set of new projects in Ukraine, including uh, citizen engagement, um, um, including uh, digital infrastructure development, a lot of new services in Ukraine. We were involved also in uh, COVID passport development in Ukraine, what is, um, what is acceptable in European Union also, so mutually recognized um, COVID passport, also cybersecurity related uh, projects in, in Ukraine, uh, a lot of uh, digital maturity assessments in various countries, uh, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, um, uh, various uh, technology adaption projects, also in several continents. So, um, so a lot of lot of good work, uh, and also we are happy that 
have at our virtual trainings and also study visits have, have are now increasing again and we have hosted at least around 10 um, visitors groups uh, during during this year so um, so uh, also important to mention that we we passed uh, European Union accreditation what is called pillar assessment so so we can now more closely work with European Union um, development cooperation projects globally and um, and a lot of uh, good uh, cooperation development also with other international donors what is very important for us as our main operations are uh, finalized by the international donor community uh, also our team is growing we hired um, uh, several new experts we are happy to that they are now with us so so again as a digital is now more and more mainstreaming more and more consultancies um, is asked from Estonia and we are really happy that also Estonian government has now passed the new digital strategy for for next years and actively working with its implementation plan so so we hope to hear also excellent news about new developments in Estonian digital government during uh, next year Perfect. Hannes, uh, I will close off this episode by just reprising a little bit what was the title of this year's e-governance conference uh, that was held in Tallinn in May. It was a digital decade in one year. No? And uh, uh, we saw this consolidation now. Uh, more trends are and very likely, of course, to come up in the next year. I think that this will probably keep it like for another episode for January, most likely. And instead, <laughs> this is what we can do. But 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 anyway, we will discuss again next May from 10 to 12 May in Tallinn in e-governance conference again. The next trends, the, the what is a next generation digital government? What are preconditions for it? and how we actually demystify this next generation uh, digital government. So so please book in your calendars 10 to 12 May in Tallinn, either physically here or either online as, as usually. Exactly, because the e-governance conference is coming again yearly, this time exactly, Hannes, as you said, from May 10th to May 12th. It will happen both physically in Tallinn and it will be streamed online. And uh, for the rest, something that I just hope uh, all our listeners will uh, uh, manage to enjoy uh, physically with your family and your loved ones is exactly the end of this year. And with this also episode of the Digital Government Podcast, I just thank Hannes for participating. Thank you very much and happy holidays for everyone. Exactly. And all of you for listening and tuning in once again. Enjoy your holidays. Catch up soon. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.